Today's program was brought to you by Mood Magazine, a new international quarterly publication about music and food. For more information, visit moodmusicfood.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. We talk about food. Talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. You stole the fire from the guns 
All right, welcome to Snacky Tunes. That was just vibes, or as Eloise's mom says, vibes. 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 Eloise in the savoir faire. Did I get that? Savoir faire. Savoir faire. Oh man, there's, there's actually like a French speaker. French. French. In house today. Uh, they'll be playing later on this very couch-inducing, like drizzly Sunday. Uh, before we get into the show, uh, our hearts and thoughts and love go out to the entire East family. Uh, so sorry to hear the passing of Alex Calderwood, a true visionary, and uh, he will be missed. Um, if you guys need any additional information, you can go to the Ace Hotel blog. Um, sitting in for Greg today is the one and only Carter Adams. Welcome right. to Snacky Tunes. I'm glad to finally be here after this is your first. This yeah. is your first time. Yeah. Welcome to the radio. All right. Welcome to the thing. He... Uh, it, that's the best thing about doing these shows on Sundays now. You can call Audible's, like, getting texts to, while you're walking out the door, be like, what are you up to? It's true. And I said, looking for a co-host. Uh, Greg is over at the Ace Hotel for the Codathon. I'm Darren Bresnitz, and we have a very packed show today. First up, uh, Marianne. Hi. How are you? <laughs> Bonjour. I, I'm going to try and your last name. Fabre Lavin. Almost there. Almost there. Marianne Fabre Lavin. Yeah, say ça va faire. No, no, no. <laughs> when we had Anna from Le Fooding on, um, we were playing a bunch of uh, Fonsard and I was just having her say the names of the songs, and it sounded keep, so much uh, better. Keep inviting French people. You're getting free uh, lessons. Free right lessons. Now. <laughs> well, uh, I brought Carter on because Carter is one of my friends who's both an expert in French and wine. Ah. So oh. you can direct. I, I didn't tell you that earlier. Yeah. Ah, wow. you, can, you, you can direct most <laughs> questions and pronunciations to him. Uh, but Marianne is the executive director of the U.S. branch of the Sud de France development. Um, for those who don't know what Sud de France is, what is it? So we are, we are a, sort of a trade organization that uh, sell the dream of the Languedoc-Roussillon region. Uh, it's not only a dream, it's a fantastic region that's not very well known from, uh, from Americans, but all over the world it's sort of a hidden gem. Uh, it's southern France, but it's not the French Riviera, so it's like a third of the price for anything, <laughs> but you get the same yeah. stuff. Uh, and uh, and there are wonderful, wonderful uh, food and wine products that come from that region. You may be familiar with dishes like cassoulet or cote brandade, and those come from Languedoc-Roussillon, typically. And uh, so, so on, the, on the wine side, uh, we're the biggest uh, wine-producing region in the world. And uh, something that may interest you is the fact that we're also the biggest uh, organic wine-producing region in the world mm. because that's, uh, that's a very dry and windy region. So it's easy. I mean, I shouldn't say easy because the producers are going to be very upset, but it's easier, let's say, to uh, produce uh, organic wine in the Languedoc-Roussillon region. In the Roussillon, there are 320 sunny days per year. So, I like yeah. that. <laughs> Especially on a day wow. like today. Especially on a day like today. How often are you there and do you miss it right now? I'm going there for a month next month. Mm. No, wait. It's, it's not as glamorous in the winter, I must say. Though, but, uh, but it's still sunny, though, right? It's still it's still very sunny uh, and and beautiful, and uh, and you eat cassoulet. That's the good thing about winter. Yeah, one good thing. Well, yeah. and you drink a lot of wine, and you like cassoulet. Yeah, exactly. So let's go back a little bit. How did you uh, get involved with wine? I mean, obviously, 
being French, I think an eighth of your blood is wine. I don't. I'm yeah. not exactly sure <laughs> what the percentage is. Yeah, that's that's the only thing that that um, that it runs in, in our veins. In fact, in the U.S., um, the, well, the U.S. Is, has become the the first uh, wine market in the world, but it's only nine liters of wine per capita in the U.S., where French people drink average 45 liters of wine a year. Wow. Yeah. I think I have it's most like French <laughs> people beat. Yeah. But huh? isn't and the wine consumption is down in France these days. Even it if it's 45, it's still not what it used to be. It used to be 55 a few years ago, but uh, the government is like trying hard to reduce uh, the... The to, good times? Yeah, the, the yeah, vibes? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Those a- yeah. anti-vibe rules? Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's so strange. But, uh, but um, we're warriors, and uh, there will be a re- revolution if they, they try to, uh, to reduce that consumption more. Uh, so. Wine warriors... Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But in the U.S., uh, it doesn't mean that people drink less. They dr- drink um, more stuff, uh, like beer sure. and whiskey. Sure. Like, oh yeah. Uh, the or consumption whiskey. of uh, of beer is ten times consumption of wine in the U.S. So, how did so. you get involved? Uh, so, uh, well, I grew up in in a family that used to make wine. Really bad wine, actually. Really? That they would bring, <laughs> they would bring to the cooperative. Um, but my grandparents were very proud of it. And at <laughs> the time, in that region, uh, what the, region is this? Hmm? What region? That's the Languedoc Roussillon. Okay, so it was region. near Narbonne, uh, near the yeah. Corbière. So, uh, so at that time, uh, so 30, 40 years ago, it was the region was known to be a bulk produ- bulk wine production. Yeah, region. They, I mean, basically, while it was the largest wine growing region. The, it was just sold off. The grapes were sold off to, to larger Absolutely. you know people who would make it. And, you know exactly. that's where you would get your big bottles in the grocery store and stuff like that. Exactly. But then uh, then the new world came and uh, they became competitors uh, to the producers of our region that were making cheap wine, and our producers could not compete making right. cheap wine because the labor would be less expensive always uh, in those uh, new world countries. Talk about Chile or, you know, um, yeah, a lot of South, um, uh, South American wines. So, um, so they had to take all the bad vines off the fields and replant with uh, quality uh, grapes. Quality and when did, that, when did that happen? It happened 20, 25 years ago. So little by little, that uh, region started to make amazing wines, small produce, smaller production, and uh, and focused on quality because this this is the only way they can survive mm-hmm. because of their savoir-faire, precisely. There we go, <laughs> full circle. <laughs> and the tradition and also the soils are amazing. So um, so uh, it's the time for people to uh, buy Languedoc Roussillon wine because it is totally underrated. The, the price tag does not correspond to the to the quality of the wine that's uh, that's being offered uh, at your local wine store. And what <laughs> so, what are the typical grapes that are grown? You know, people know Burgundy, which is Pinot Noir, or Bordeaux, which is more Merlot, Cabernet. But what what is you know the indigenous so grape they variety? Are, there are many, uh, and uh, and some of them are more Rhone grape. So it's going to be uh, Grenache, Syrah, Mourvedre. 
that would be uh, to the east of the region. Mm -hmm. And then when you when you go towards the Roussillon, it is actually more uh, Garnacha, Grenache mm -hmm. grape, mm -hmm. because we're closer to Spain. But there are also grapes that only grow there, like Picpoul. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, great. This great amazing yeah. uh, appellation, uh, Picpoul de Pinay. Yeah, those are very refreshing with marine scents, white wines that are uh, perfect with oysters, for example. Mm. Yes. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Don't tell that to anybody from the Loire. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I'm for diversity. There, you know, like one day you have a pic poule de Pinay and another day, yes, you have a fantastic uh, wine from the Loire. And, uh, and uh, we're not fighting against each other. Uh, there is room for everyone, and, and uh, I believe that if you're curious, you should just, uh, you know, like uh, pick different stuff and uh, refine your palate. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening uh, in New York and other places where, where people are getting uh, very nerdy <laughs> about wine or we're lo looking for weird I mean, weird I, th grapes I think that we found a lot of like ex-musician record collectors and Carter yeah you can really speak to this of just they've switched over to being yeah it's really wine. funny That's just how interesting in, in, yeah, yeah in New York just like the the old the revolution yeah. yeah people who I think it just has to do with people who are like have a kind of categorical mindset categorical right. <laughs> curatorial mindset yeah. as well you know like you go and you find something um you know one way that i saw uh, i've heard it described is kind of like record collectors and, and labels yeah you know like you, you find a label you like you, you're like okay well i don't know but you know there's this new thing on warp records and I've, i haven't heard it but i like all the other stuff so i'm gonna do it so here it's like very often that um with with certain importers you know like you look at the back of the wine you're like Oh, Louis Dresner, you know, brings in this wine. Right. I know there are other ones. Um, I'll check it out. And, you, you know, you, people are going deep, yeah, especially absolutely. here in New York. Yeah, Super absolutely. Deep. There are importers like uh, Zev Rovin that you mm. know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Carter is spending yeah. some time there. Ah, yes. Yeah. He has a fantastic wine from the Roussillon, a natural wine called Matin, Matin Calm. Yeah. It's amazing. Very great yeah, wine. You can find it at the Times and Oh, I appreciate you bringing us a bottle. Ah. that oh. today on the Sunday. Yeah. I'll get you, you a bottle. This you're, getting, right, okay. you're getting a case tomorrow. Awesome. So wait, so hold on. So, so just back to your story a little bit. So how did you wind up working with this wine? Uh, so then I, so I moved to New York, uh, long story short, and, uh, and I was working in, uh, in advertising. And um, I was a, a friend of mine, a, a wine critic, told me about the the opening of uh, Maison de la Région Languedoc-Roussillon, so the house of my region. Which so this is actually like a like a chamber of commerce kind of. It is, yeah, and it's, it's paid sort of for thing. by the region. Absolutely. Okay, it's, so uh, you're funded by the local government. Okay. You're a government employee. Oh, you yes. work for the government. Absolutely. I'm, I'm uh, yeah, I'm a part-time spy. Well, also. thank you so much for coming by. Uh, no. Um, but no, so so. You, so so uh, so I uh, you know just like everyone affairs. yeah absolutely and um, I was uh, I was from the region so of course like a good candidate because I speak uh, you know from the heart I know that region uh, very well like my pocket do you say that in English yeah yeah yes. well like back the back of my, of my hand. Hand. back of okay. my hand <laughs> like my pocket I like that oh, yeah. um, so and so, you've been there for how many years now uh, for eight years. So what are the new and exciting things coming out of the region? Like what do you what can't you wait to see come to the American markets? There are uh, there are a lot of natural wine that now make the trip 
to uh, to the U.S. You can find some at Acme, for example. You can find them some at uh, the Pines and all the restaurants uh, sure. that Dave Rovin worked with. And uh, that's a true re- revelation. In France, and especially in Paris, people are after natu- natu- vin naturel. That's how we, mm-hmm. we, we call them. And, uh, and that's possible in the Languedoc-Roussillon region. Yeah. Why? Because, uh, because a lot of winemakers from all over the world uh, come to experiment in mm. the region. So it's very avant-garde. People, people do a lot of you know, stuff with grapes that had not been grown in the region before. Uh, and there is, uh, there is a variety of soils that, that is um, un- unequaled. Um, it's, you have schist, you have sand, you have, uh, you have clay, you have all the, all the type of soil you, you can imagine. We have, like, we have like 30 appellations and then sub-appellations and 22 pays. So you, you, can, you can really experiment and come up with new things, new, new tastes there. So, so I'm always, always uh, amazed at the diversity that, that is coming from the region. And also type of wine. You were talking about Burgundy where you have Pinot Noir for red wine and Chardonnay for uh, white wine. Uh, but in our region we have you know, about like mainly they grow 30 different varieties uh, in those the different appellations. But, uh, but uh, yes, yeah, so, so the region is big as a country, basically. Mm-hmm. It's very complex to and, and very interesting to discover because you can't ever like finish and we produce sparkling wine also Ooh. that's actually where the champagne i mean supposedly champagne method was invented mm. in the abbey of uh, saint-hilaire in the in the 14th century so uh, so don, don pérignon brought actually the method of the second fermentation to champagne Whoa. afterwards so, uh, mm, so, scandal. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. So the so the champagne method was born in the Languedoc Roussillon. We also have. Uh, Would anybody from Champagne actually own up to that? Uh-huh. Anyone from Champagne actually own up to that story? Yeah, they don't want they yeah. they, they don't want to uh, that yeah. to be too uh, named. Yeah. Let's talk about something uh, else. Let's talk about yeah. something else. Um, yeah, stealing the show clearly. Yeah. So uh, you know, obviously, uh, you are very knowledgeable about wine, and wine is sometimes something that we bring up here that is intimidating but you also offer classes right at your showroom and you have Absolutely. one coming up on Tuesday. On yeah, the there is one. Uh, there is one on Tuesday from uh, six to uh, to eight nine, and there is another one on December third because we're you know towards the end of a series of uh, ten uh, tastings. So what's happening? Uh, we have uh, we have about sixty people come to the showroom, and uh, we teach them about basic uh, tasting techniques. Basic wine tasting techniques, because we don't want it to be obscure and and uh, and reserved to to a few knowledgeable people. Because wine is really about pleasure. It's not about. I mean, it's great to have a, an interesting knowledge about the wine because you can identify the wine you will appreciate more. And and uh, but but really, it's about sharing about um, about observing, smelling. It's very central. Uh, so, uh, so you don't need to be uh, to, to have a PhD in wine to appreciate it, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't. I guess no. <laughs> and then uh, I guess really uh, the question would be for those, you know, if can you find these wines in Whole Foods, you know, oh, or things yeah. like that? Like, what what are some wines, you know, that people probably are passing in front of every day that they should be checking out? Uh, yeah, yeah, you can find uh, find them at Whole Foods and in 
any wine store really and in like most restaurants too uh, so my advice would be to uh, f for people to ask their the, the wine store uh, owner or I mean the, the wine store people uh, or they should ask their sommelier when they go to restaurant because uh, because uh, the sommelier and the people who work in the wine store know about those wines and if you're looking into something that that's delicious and between 15 and 25 bucks then know where to direct you in the Languedoc-Roussillon area. But a uh, famous appellation would be Fogère, right. Corbière, mm -hmm. yep. uh, well, Picpoul de Pinay for, for the white. And there are a few Côte du Rhône that are actually in our region mm -hmm. too. Uh, so, so the Clérette, for, for example, Clérette de Bellegarde, or uh, there are, I mean, there are so many appellations. Mm -hmm. But the Minervois, the mm -hmm. Minervois is very famous because we pair it with cassoulet right. again. <laughs> it's the season. Cassoulet. It is the season. <laughs> and today is the day for that. I actually bought yeah. cassoulet beans today. Oh, thinking. well, there you we go. Did. It's time. Yeah. It's that it was time. fate. It's time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, I want to thank you for coming on the show. We could talk on and on and on. But if people want to figure out about the wine or... Where to take the classes? Where can they go online? So I would um, I would recommend to go to our Facebook page. Mm. If you type Sud de France, New York, S-U-D-D-E, France, New York, uh, you'll find us. You'll find the link to uh, to get the tickets uh, to our classes and all the, the, the events that uh, info on all the events we're organizing. And in June 2014, we have an almost month long festival. I know. Wait, stay tuned. Which you did last year, which was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic. With a ton of restaurants the and pines, events all cities, over the city. All of them. Yeah, the Sud de France Festival, 2014. New York I'll City. I'll come back to you come talk back? about it. Of course it. you come back. <laughs> <laughs> come back.
Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. I love that jam. It's my new jam of the winter, which is here in full effect. Uh, Greg Morbido, welcome back to Snacky Tunes. Thank you. I'm very happy to be back here. Editor of Eater New York, blog that covers everything, restaurant, lifestyle, gossip. Your gossip's not... Well, no, you still do a lot of gossip. Do now and again, we get some good gossip in there. What's your favorite juicy bit of gossip you got recently that didn't make it on the site? (laughs) No, you can't. <laughs> um, what is a good piece of gossip? You know, I mean, honestly, these days, like, gossip just turns into news. Right. But um, I think kind of the, the most interesting story along that lines is that, like, Polino's is closing, Keith McNally's restaurant. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah, and he's going to reopen it as a small French restaurant, which is... There's uh, a stretch. I think that's actually going to be great because... Yeah. I there's nothing... Da- I mean, there's uh, Barry Diner. Right. And there's not much down there. Uh, there's DBGB. DBGB. I had lunch there today. It was delicious. I, it's good, as, as right? far as French goes. They yeah. keep it going. Yeah. 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 They do good stuff. I mean, I think it was... But, he, you know, he sort of got in front of that story. Because he, he definitely came out and said, this is the first time I had to close a restaurant. It's yeah. tough to admit, but, like, it's not working. Yeah, he's... Uh, I mean, he, he did the right thing, you know? He, I mean, he owned up to it and talked about why it didn't work and, you know... <laughs> from, you mean from the get-go? <laughs> it's weird. It's, like, kind of the only Keith McNally restaurant that wasn't perfect from day one or something. You know? Yeah, I mean, who At knows? least that's how I see it. A lot of moving parts on that one. Yeah. You know, sometimes it just doesn't... Um, having a named chef doesn't always work. Right. Sometimes you just need to be the one visionary. But Nate Appleman is killing it at Chipotle. He I is, mean, actually. He is, like... No, yeah. He's he's actually really doing... And he's really happy. He's really happy. Um, he was at the James Beard Awards, and he made burgers, and it was, like, the only thing people were talking about at the James Beard Awards. They so were like, amazing burgers. Have you had Nate Appleman's Chipotle sliders? I was I like, mean, to be honest, the fact that he can bring sort of that ideal of sustainability and actually have a company behind it that can really practice what he preaches on that giant of a level, it's very rare. Yeah. You know. But enough about that. Enough, enough about, about Chipotle. Enough about you are here today. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Nate, though. Shout out to Nate. Shout out to Nate. Big uh, out to Nate. Nate Dog. Nate Dog. 
Uh, you are here because tomorrow night is the annual Eater Awards, mm-hmm. which have over the years become one of the best award nights in the city, if not all of food. Wow, it's too kind of you. I like to think that's true, though. Um, um, I mean, it's a really good event. It's a really, really nice event. Uh, and this year's theme is Southern. Yeah, it's kind of gotten bigger and bigger every year. Like the first year, which I guess was 2010, it was kind of this small thing at public, and it was just basically right. mostly industry people. And then it's kind of gotten bigger and bigger and gotten uh, expanded to bigger venues. And this year it was kind of like, well, you know, we have this great events team that keeps trying to think about how to outdo themselves every year and keep it interesting, especially for, you know, the food people that might have been there last year. So this year it's like there's a band, there's Ooh. a theme, the South, and they have 11 chefs either directly from the South or Southern chefs working in New York kind of doing their specialties. Okay. So, um, I mean, that's like the big draw for for food people is like you get to chase, you know, Hattie B's fried chicken. You know, Edward Lee's going to be cooking there. And by the way, his cookbook. Amazing. Awesome. So good. Smoking pickles. I haven't checked it out, but I have. I know that that's like one of the people that, uh, you know, everybody on, on Team Eater is really excited to have. There, yeah. So. And he's such a nice guy. Yeah. He's such a, a, a fun, nice guy. And he makes good food. I mean, you say in the promo video, South is having a moment, but I feel like that moment's been going on. Yeah, it has been years. going on for a couple of years, and obviously we're not the first person to just, you know, first people to say, wow, there's great food in the South, but... Wait, what? <laughs> right. Listen, it's not just, uh, yeah, red beans and rice, you know? No, it's, um, you know, there's some awesome chefs doing things down there, and we thought that having an event in New York that actually brought these chefs... To New York might kind of open a little bit of channels of communication there, and maybe some New Yorkers would get to try these this food without having to take the trip down south, you know? So, I mean, but it's worth it, though. I mean, have you yeah. spent some time in the south? No, I went to um, I went to college in New Orleans. Other than that, though, I did not, I've not, like, visited all these hot food cities, you know? Haven't been to Nashville, or everybody loves Charleston so much. Like, it's like this awesome food city. It is pretty awesome. And all these places I want to visit, and... All these restaurants, so. I mean, there was that great article in Food and Wine where uh, Sean Brock went to Africa to sort of find the origin of... That was of, crazy, yeah. ...of, like, the the southern hospitality, the new southern dishes, mm-hmm. which are really just... I think it was... He went to... Was he Senegal? Mm-hmm. And he, like, went and found, like, the roots of, like... And they found, like, their take on gumbo and their take on that stuff. And you go, oh, right, it's African dishes, which most people don't put two and two together... Until you go, all oh, right, we have that sort of toward history of the things that happened in the South. It's very interesting. Um, is he coming up? Uh, you know, he might be there as um, a guest or nominee, but he's not going to be cooking there. So. Interesting. But he's yeah. cooked before in the past with you guys. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think I remember that. Um, I think he was, you know, it's like every year there have been kind of amazing chefs. Like we had Andy Rickard doing Pock Pock Wings, like. A year before he expanded here, we had the second year we had Aaron Franklin from Franklin Barbecue mm-hmm. doing his brisket, and it was like the first time it had been served. And and you know we had Danny Bowen doing doing something for Mission Chinese, yeah. you know. And you guys, I mean, obviously have your finger on the pulse about so much of the food stuff of just like since you're now in so many regions, uh, including like Austin and Louisville and things like that. It's just really whenever I see who wins the regional um, awards, those go to the top of my list. Like you had barley swine from Austin. Which is one of the best restaurants in the country and just, you know, not not the restaurant you would think of when you think of Austin, Texas. Right. It's interesting. I mean, looking at all the other cities, there's 
I think I have the number right, but there's like 29 cities or sites right now. I mean, including, how? Yeah, three in Canada now. Mon- Montreal. Toronto and Vancouver. Uh, can I go right for the Montreal Eater? <laughs> I don't speak French. Obviously, Man, Montreal. Obviously, I don't speak French. Montreal has a serious food thing going on right now, or they've always had it. They always but. have. And it's nice to see, and look, Joe Beef, mm-hmm. Apieta Kishan, uh, you know, Carter and I went to Apieta Kishan. It's delicious. It's delicious. And it's well, we, had, we actually had a very expensive, very nice bottle of wine from the Languedoc. Yeah. It's bringing it full. Uh, yeah, real full it, circle. Yeah, it was. Sharp uh, memory. It was, was Baral. It was so yeah. good. One of the best um, wines th- I've this ever is, had. This is why I don't think I'll be a wine guy. I was like, we had wine, I think. I don't even remember that we had wine, but there we are. We had lots of things. <laughs> we had wine was things. one of them. But it's so nice to see, like, guys outside of those three chefs uh, really being highlighted and celebrated, which you can only really get when you do. Because, you know, anyone who goes there to do a, a report, like a TV thing on right. Montreal, it's like, well, if you don't go to those guys. And go to Schwartz's, like, why are you even really here? Totally. I mean, I guess it's this weird thing now that any city has great food. I don't know if it's always been the case or if there's something about the food climate right now. There's great restaurants everywhere. Well, I think it's a shift. I mean, I think people used to be like, oh, British food sucks. It's like, well, maybe British food that is trying to be other food. But if you (laughs) go in and be like, this is like a British specialty or like this is like, you know, or like, you know, these meat pies are great, but they're meat pies. Right. You know. Um I'm sorry, Carter. I stepped on you. What were you no, say? no. It's, I mean, it's definitely true. I grew up in the South, uh, mm-hmm. so you know, first 20 years of my life or, or more were in Georgia, and it, food just like was food was food, you know. And now to see this resurgence, you know, there was never places that I was excited to go, you know, like barbecue. Right. Barbecue was the good food, yeah, like because you knew that that was the one place. If you went to barbecue, everything was made from scratch, right? And that was kind of like the safe bet. Everything, if not, it was like Cisco services and stuff like that. So now it is exciting to you know go back to go to Atlanta or to go to Asheville and be like, wow, there are like amazing restaurants here that rival the best stuff I've had in New York. Yeah, I mean, just to that point, I mean, even growing up in the suburbs of Philadelphia, like the concept of from scratch growing up was not, uh, you know, not at the top of my list. Like I was like, I never even really thought of like, well, this is coming from a can or this is process of just like. We just went to restaurants. Right. But now it's like everything's like, well, where can I go where I know it's getting the best ingredients? Totally. I also think there's this weird thing that, you know, Eater covers a lot of is like, you know, what's a buzzy hot restaurant, you know? Some restaurants just have this like X factor where you walk in you're like, whoa, this place is cool. There's, there's something interesting and exciting in the air, you know? And I think that like especially some of the restaurants that are coming to Eater Awards from the South, they have that, you know? Of course. And if they were in New York right now. They would be totally competing with all the other restaurants right. in New York or San Francisco or L.A. or whatever. You know, They have that buzz and excitement thing that's hard to kind of put your finger on and quantify. Well, I think the – I mean I hate to say it, I think Glassery in Greenpoint oh, yeah. was the last buzzy, super hot, but totally delivered restaurant where I was – I think the last one before that was maybe Acme when it opened where you walk in and you go – there's like such a vibe. It's right. so new. It's so fresh. And then you go, holy shit! There's like a dozen or two dozen like industry or like fashion or whatever players like in the actual room. Oh yeah, I live fairly close to Glassery, and every time I see some, like I feel like I saw you on the street actually, yeah. and you guys, you're like, yep, just coming from Glassery. It's like every time oh, yeah. I see somebody, yeah. I know somebody. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Where are you going? They're like, I'm going to Glassery. Yeah, on my way there now. It's great. I mean, it's. It's rare that a restaurant really nails it and is that packed. And also, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's, it's relative. It's in the mm-hmm. middle of fucking nowhere. Right. Like, let's be honest. Like, New York, for the people that I've seen there, I go, 
you don't leave Manhattan. It's part of its charm, though. I yeah, mean, it yeah, has yeah. this completely weird. I mean, it's kind of like Roberta's. It has this kind of amazing space, and you don't expect when you walk in that it's going to be there or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think another buzzy place out here is the Elm, which I actually yeah. just had brunch at for the first time today. All right. And uh, we were we ordered as with the wonderful Jamie Feldman, mm-hmm. the manager at Series Eats, and. We like ordered. We ordered. It was great. And then we got up to leave, and it was so crappy outside. <laughs> and we had like passed like two or three of the burgers that we sat back down and got one of the burgers. Oh man, that burger! Did you like? You liked it? Oh yeah? my god! Yeah. I I actually felt that without the burger. I mean, it's been a long time since I did double lunch mm-hmm. in like the actual same place. But that burger, I really like brunch. The burger put me over the top. It was the comte cheese and the fries. Like the Dijon dipping sauce. Yeah, I had it for the first time on Friday night, like late night. And it's weird to think of that place is like you can walk in there at ten thirty and order a burger now. You know. I know. But it's great. It hasn't like lost some of its. Uh, it's still a fine operation, and they still yeah. give you a little m- mignardise or whatever you know when you start out. But like for eighteen dollars, that's. I mean, I'm convinced I'd have to try it again, but I think it's definitely like a top ten, top five burger. It's, it's really start. It's really crazy. It's like the Manetta Tavern burger, like but that Comte cheese is just like gives it a funk. Yeah, it just and it's a good size too. Yeah, it's it's um, you can hold it easily in one hand. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's not like a meat monster, and at eighteen dollars with fries, it's you know. I mean, it's it's definitely well, yeah. I mean, you definitely have to think about it. If you're going to order it, because that's true. I don't know if we hadn't had our own separate brunch, like whole order before it, if I would have yeah. been like totally full, but we split it. And I was like, this is really rich. But it was a good vibe. I mean, it was actually packed. Like, oh, that's great. Yeah. I think that place is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I mean, and, you know, I know that you're here talking about the Eater Awards, but oh, yeah. we can't get you in here without talking about, like, what's coming up. For the next, like, month or two, what can sure we expect? Thing. Oh, yeah. What's, what's coming out? Well, I guess the big one that we're all really excited about is. Danny Bowen's sequel to Mission Chinese, Mission Cantina, which... Wow. Mission Chinese still remains closed. Yes, it's a replacement, yeah. not even mm-hmm. a sequel. Uh, Mission Chinese, I do believe, will open probably again by the end of the year. I think they're doing the thing they always should have done, which is, like, kind of fix that <laughs> space. But the problem is that Soho House is going in behind that, so they're digging, so... Wait, why? Yeah. That's going to be a Soho House. The right behind Mission Chinese is this old synagogue they're turning into a the Soho Oh, the house. synagogue. Oh. So that's what I heard that they're digging and they're digging up and like anything in New York. I mean, oh yeah. Here's the sad gotta, thing: gotta go every somewhere. restaurant in this city has rats in the basement. You know, <laughs> it's like how you deal with it. You know, and how you keep it clean. Every you know, it's like there's no way to. There's no way. There's no way to control that to a certain extent. Um. They had some bad luck with the DOH. I think they maybe need to make some necessary improvements, but I yeah. do believe they will because it's like that place. And they just launched delivery, and I heard delivery was like they were killing it on well, delivery. Well, I think they have – I forget what um, service it is, but they hooked up with this new service. It's only offered at like like a dozen or so restaurants. A caviar. Yeah. Yeah. For like just a flat $10 fee, right. they'll deliver up to like 59th Street. Totally. Which is – I mean, that's just a game changer. Oh yeah, it's great. That's that's really just. I I can't imagine. I can imagine like how many of the like Columbus Circle just like powerhouse and even like Wall Street. We're like we're doing Mission Chinese for. Life. Oh yeah, well I loved it. Like the day after they introduced it, Mario Vitale like tweeted a photo of just like a table full of food, and he's like, "Mission Chinese delivery rocks" or something. Yeah. You know, it was like 
At last. At last. All these people can get this without having to waiting. Have to wait in line, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely ways to get around waiting in line, but mm-hmm. nothing's as awesome as the actual experience of going there. But yeah, his um, Mission Cantina, it's like this weird thing where they've hosted so many preview dinners for friends and, you know... The other night, it was like Alice Waters and Renee Redzepi yeah. were having dinner there, and they met for the first time, and everybody's just going crazy for it. Um, Mexican, but I hear it's actually going to be more like, eh, it's just kind of whatever he wants to cook, you know? Right. Like, it's I'm interesting. sure it'll be delicious. Yeah. I mean, he knocks it out of the park with Szechuan food. The other one, yeah, the other one that I'm really stoked for is this place, Alonda, which is right by Union Square. Which is Chris Jackal, who was at I Fiori. Okay. And um, Chris Cannon, who's kind of this legendary front of the house guy. But uh, everybody that, you know, tasted Chris Jackal's food at I Fiori was like, this guy is a great talent. He's a great chef. So this new restaurant, he's doing a Venetian restaurant, you know, Venetian cuisine. But he's fusing it with Japanese cuisine. Sure. Because he thinks they have a shared brain cell in terms of... The way they use ingredients or something, or he's like, oh, these two cuisines, they both respect ingredients in the same way. And he also, as a chef, used to train, I believe, Morimoto. Okay. So, I don't know if New York's ever had Japanese-Italian fusion, but I think that the city's ready ready for it. Yeah. We have Japanese-Jewish fusion already, which apparently turned... I haven't been there, but everybody who has been is like, it actually works. Yeah, Yeah, I haven't haven't checked it out. I've talked to really like it. Yeah, It's been like... I went in being like, ha-ha, and being like, oh, it's actually quite tasty. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean those those are good. Schmaltz ramen? I can get behind that. Yeah, that's amazing. How could you say no? How I think I... that, the, I mean, I think the point is maybe with that place is that those two chefs are really talented, and they're going to make it work. And married. Know, and married. <laughs> Their talent extends to marriage, yeah. <laughs> so I know we got to wrap this up so we can oh, get yeah. the band on, but I just want to ask... Uh, Two 2014 mm-hmm. trend predictions. Yeah. Okay. What do we got? What what uh, and then what is? Let's do three things. What okay. are we gonna see the end of? Like what is 2013 put to bed as far as trends? And then what are two things we're gonna see in 2014 that isn't delicious French organic wine? Because I, obviously we know that that is coming down the. I pipeline. think we're gonna hit a wall with um, Latin um, Latin shareable small plate things because yeah. it's been a big like. There's some great people that have done great restaurants like that. Like. ABC Cocina, it's like, whoa, it's the Latin ABC Kitchen, and everything's a small plate, you know. I the just there, from... it was delicious. It's delicious. Delicious. And the guys from Toro are killing it doing that, you know. Toro is awesome. It was not what I, after meeting Jamie and mm-hmm. never being to Toro in Boston, I did not expect it to be like a meatpacking district. Right. But it works. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more copycats of that. I mean, there's already, you know, it's like weirdly... You know, it's hard to say why trends happen, but it's like, Money. so Danny Bowen's doing that. The EMM group, the kings of the club restaurant, they just opened like a pan Latin small plate right, restaurant as well. Right. It's like, I think that we're just going to hit a wall with it at some okay. point. Are we going to hit a wall because like, it's just not that good? Like whatever the, uh, the, I think everybody that's doing it now is, you know, especially Toro and the ABC Cocina guys are great. I think we're going to start getting the ones that aren't very good though. I'll put it that right. way. Right. And then it's going to be like the the trend killer. So, adios, Latin. Maybe. Or maybe it'll keep going on forever, like burgers and fried chicken. Well, the thing about burgers and fried chicken is that it's so built into our culture mm-hmm. that like 
if I, I'm never going to be mad or tired of a good piece of fried chicken or burgers. Right. I'd be like, ugh, another piece of delicious fried chicken. <laughs> ugh. I'm trying to think what else. I mean, um, I think next year we're going to see probably a lot of guys that were kind of young guns five years ago expanding yeah. like crazy. Like uh, the Terezi crew, those guys are on fire right now. On but fire. they have like more projects kind of lined up. I mean, they're at least doing another Parm you know, and oh, really? they're, they're doing a to... parm in Battery Park City. They're doing Ooh. a hotel restaurant somewhere on the Lower East Side. Ages ago, they were signed on to do something with the new Whitney Museum, I believe, uh, by the High Line. I don't know if that's still going on. Interesting. I mean, you know, so I think they're one to watch. I mean, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I haven't been to the new place yet. Carbone? No, I've been to Carbone. Oh, I haven't been to ZZ's yet. I haven't been. At Carbone was great, but ZZ, I mean, yeah. like, that's a whole other level of like... I'm most interested about the cocktails there because they just look crazy. Yeah. They're like these. If anybody wants to take me to a business meeting oh, yeah. and put down their card, I know a great right. place we can go. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah. There's, yeah. And then finally, last prediction. Let's say food. Like, what are we going to see more food of? Ooh. What more food? You know, the sort of Nordic cuisine thing. More and more. Well, we just haven't reached a saturation point with it. And I think that we're going to, like, you know, people keep opening interesting restaurants like that. Where are we and at now? We're at Asuka, Acme, Torst. There's this new place, Skull. It's okay. apparently very good on the Lower East Side. That kind of ha- hasn't really had its moment yet, but mm-hmm. everybody that's been there really loves it. Um, I think that there's still that's still yeah. going. You know, well, I'll the- wait for like Danny Myers, you know, Stephen Starr to do their, you know. Nordic restaurant or whatever yeah. it is or... and then maybe after that we'll hit a wall we'll hit a wall well yeah. Greg always a pleasure yeah I'll see you tomorrow night yeah thanks for having me and one last thing if anybody wants to come to Eater Eve which is the pre-awards tonight. event tonight at 7 there are some tickets left available at the door so, awesome and where yeah. is that it's at Angel Sands, which is on Norfolk Street yeah it's beautiful it's just yeah. church turn event space but I guess going to church is always an event, so... Yeah, well, thanks again for having me on, man. Yeah, we'll have you yeah. back. We always right. have you back. You're, Sounds good. Yeah.
song's so good. We're all laughing. We're just dipping into the uh, hamburger joke books uh, <laughs> that uh, was brought to us uh, today, which is we're going to get into super deep. I want to. I'm going to butcher the name again. I'm just going to say it right now. Eloise and the Savoir Faire. Savoir Faire. Getting closer. 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 Uh, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Um, can you tell me about this hamburger joke book that you brought? Please? Well, um, yeah, the hamburger joke book uh, is actually, it belongs to my friend Joe, Joe Shepard, who's here with us. Um, and uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's just ridiculous, terrible humor, which... Um, Can I say one right now? Uh, I mean, yeah, you don't even have please. to ask. Just oh, okay. like launch, <laughs> like go. So how do, how do we know burgers love young people? They're protein. Oh! You just read that one. I just read it. Oh, I, I just read it. I was like, "Holy shit, Carter!" <laughs> wow. um, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, but wait, hold on. What's what's the uh, tagline of the book in the cover? Because I think that might be the best um, one. Meaty jokes to be devoured with relish. It's just that's the best. It's joke. so good. I um, what year did that come out? I feel like that was the year of like seventies, eighties when they're like we're putting out joke books, and it was like super niche. Yeah. Like, uh, hey, I'm I'm working through like uh, this whole like. Uh, Tic Tac hot dog. Yeah, 70, 78. Yeah, right, right on the money. I definitely own some joke books. I would buy joke books and then just be like, ugh, like rolling my eyes at every joke. This is so terrible. I could write a better joke book as a 12 year old. And I think I started actually writing my own joke book. <laughs> but of course, I haven't been published yet. Yet. <laughs> we can do a Kickstarter for that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Fuck the album. I got this right, joke totally. book. Uh, well, I want to welcome you to Snacky Tunes. We are big fans of what you do and the music you make. Tell us a little about yourself. Where are you from? What's your sign? What's your favorite type of food joke? Uh, you already know that. Yes, hamburgers. Um, well, my name is Eloise, and uh, yeah, the band, we've, we're, we're a Brooklyn band for a long time. Now I currently live in Vermont. Um, it's electronic dance music. We What's were on the uh, EDM scene in Vermont? Like, yeah. Oh my god. Wait, did that. you go to the rave? Kill it. Right the, it, right? the rave at the Ben and Jerry's factory. Oh my god. I heard it was very creamy. Oh. oh. King of puns. Actually, I want to take that back. I heard it was very chill. It's uh, totally chill. It's totally chill. Keep, keep him coming. Keep him coming. Yeah. Collaborate. <laughs> oh, it's that ice cream EDM joke book I've been hearing so much about. Um, so, what are you doing up in Vermont? Where are you, Burlington? Yeah, um, town's awesome. Yeah, it's 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 nice there. I get a lot of I get a lot done. Um, yeah, I I wrote this record that just came out. That, <laughs> no, it's true because your name of the that's the slogan of town, Burlington. Get a lot done. <laughs> well, because my social life is kind of like not as it once was, so I just you know do a lot of work. Uh, but no, I, my God, I'm I'm a terrible interviewee. So um, no, but, you're great. Okay, well. The um, yeah, I mean, we, so I went up there to write this record, which came which out in called? March. Um, it's called Diamond Dust. Great record, by the way. And I thank you very much. And I sort of had like a early, I would like to think an early midlife crisis. I was like, what am I doing? And I want to go back to school, so I started doing like pre med stuff, and then and then I was like, I don't want to do that. I ended up working in this weird mind body medicine lab, testing like the effects of music on the brain and whether or not. It could be prescribed as a pain analgesic and blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, fuck it, uh, I just want to sing. You just blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the craziest thing we've ever heard on this show. Oh, uh, you know, you can describe music as like an antidote, blah, 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 blah. That, also, that's the most Vermont thing I've ever heard. Right, I know. Dr. Uh, Feelgood? Pretty, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of cool, but it's also sort of boring. I mean, like, experiments are very cool conceptually, but actually doing them is sort of tedious. 
and you have to be very exacting about everything, and that's not really my forte. I'm kind of like, like to mix it up. Yeah, like mix it up a little. Scream and make mistakes and fall down, and I mean uh, not all the time, but not all the time. <laughs> so tell me about the album, Diamond Dust. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was trying to have some deep thoughts, like secretly in some electronic dance music. I don't know if it came off that way or not, but I mean, I um, some you know whatever. Some of the songs are more well thought out than others. Others are just like f- feeling, feeling the the words are going along with the feeling, but um. Yeah, it's put out. Um, Elijah Wood um, is our our record label. He has a record label called Simeon Records. We're the only artists on that record label, which is kind of amazing. You are the record label. Yeah, that's yeah. And um, it used to be Apples and Stereo were on. Well, I mean, he put out a record with them too, and, and now he's doing like um, he's got a new uh, production company. Um, it's called SpectraVision. He's doing horror movies and stuff like that. So, oh wow, are you yeah. scoring any of those? Well, I mean, I would love to. Yeah, I've talked to him about it, and actually, it's. Yeah, he's got some really interesting. Um, I mean, I probably can't even talk about it, but he's got some good people that are working on these, yeah, these don't worry horror about movies no and stuff like that. No, okay, well, it's, it's cool. It's it's gonna be it's, it's it's exciting. So, like, do you just have to text Elijah Wood and be like, "Hey, uh, I need you to send me 150 LPs for the tour," and he'll be like, "Right, right back at you." No, it's E-dubs. a little less like that. <laughs> e Dubs, what's happening? Yeah, yeah, E Dubs, and I need I need that product stat. Well, no, it's more like. I started my own record label also at the same time because Uh-oh. I was like, I need to like have my, because you know, I'm, yeah, so like, it's called Copio. So this record came out on Copio and Simeon Records and Copio stands for Keep On Pumping It Out, which is my attitude about life. Um, it's amazing. <laughs> like Burger Jacks, right? Very easy to do in Vermont. Just yeah. keep on pumping Just keep it on out. keep on pumping it out. I mean, what else are you going to do? Uh, I don't know, but let's hear one of his deep thoughts. Okay. Oh, you mean a, a song? I mean. Oh, God. Well, like, okay, maybe I don't, I don't. Let's do, um, let's do a not deep thought, and then let's do a deep. Thought. All right, let's get. Okay, let's <laughs> let's get some uh, shallow thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's get some like Valley Girl stuff going on. I mean, song wise. Yeah. Okay. I don't know something right. like send out. Give us like a tweet, like a, a oh you know a fast God. tweet. <laughs> you knew it was coming. I mean, you're set up. Um, <laughs> so not deep thoughts with Eloise. Yeah. Um, no, but give us something. What do you, what do you want to play? Um, so, well, I think the, the, I want to do Dance Floor Destroyer first. Of course. And then we'll do Paralandra, which is based off of C.S. Lewis. He did the Space Trilogy. That is a deep thought. All right, we'll get it. Okay, that's a deep thought. That is going deep. But we're going to do one song first, and then we'll get into some C.S. Okay, Lewis. Good. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so you're going you're gonna to stand up for this one, yeah, right? Yeah, I am, because I can't sing singing. It's fine. All right. Um, I'll give you some room. I'm going to go over here. No, I think I'm going to go over there, actually. All right, yeah, we're good. Sure. All right, so here we go. We're getting set up right here. Who who with the actual French accent wants to introduce them? Eloise and the Savoir Faire. Ooh. So much better. Here we go. Uh, live on Snacky Tunes. <laughs> Yeah. 
that so that was not a deep thought no, this is like, a... like going for the gold go for the gold you got it <laughs> you got it um so let's talk about c.s lewis then okay yeah i mean where do you get your ideas for your i mean you know do you enjoy both the writing process of something where that's you know dance order stories are very just like we're gonna go out and have fucking balls of the wall fun yeah and then c.s lewis goes all right we're going deep on this one well, I wanted to, I was actually like really interested in like why people tell the same story over and over again. Like so many religions are basically the same story, but like, you know, they call themselves something different. Right. And just mythology and um, where those, where those stories originated from. So, I mean, it's like a huge undertaking. I was like, oh, you know, okay. So the seed of civilization is in the Euphrates and Babylon and all that stuff. And like. Because they had agriculture, they were able to like hang around and talk, and maybe that's where the first stories came from. Blah blah blah. I mean, anyhow. Then C.S. Lewis is really interesting because, well, not to get back to the Lord of the Rings, but the whole like um, William Morris. Actually, I was looking into too because he was a he was a buddy of C.S. Lewis, and he was doing a lot of like translations of these Icelandic myths, which is like the basis of I guess um, Tolkien's like Lord of the Rings. Like he really liked um, these translations, and then. C.S. Lewis was a contemporary of his, and and I'd always been like a fan, of course, of like Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and all those books. But I was always afraid to go into his like adult Christian mysticism stuff because I feel like you know I feel like I'm a spiritual person, but it's not like I'm I would never call myself a Christian, and I actually think Christianity is really super scary. It's like the scariest one out there. So, but I was like, I'm going to see what he has to say about, you know, this, you know, because all these, like Milton and all these authors have kind of Dante gone into like, you know, these major big, these big stories. And so Paralandra is, um, it's his version of Venus and it's like this water planet. And, um, so it's his, it's his take on like female energy and, um, 
and it's also a retelling of Paradise Lost and, you know, Satan arrives and it's, it's, it, the beginning, the descriptions are really beautiful and, um, and so I was inspired by that and, uh, I don't know, I just wrote kind of like, it's like really loosely based on, I mean, <laughs> on that book, but it's not like, it's like Light and Shadow is kind of like the, the, um, the sort of there's not really a chorus but i would say that's kind of the chorus and do you get upset when you've poured all this thought and emotion to a song and people go <laughs> oh it's a good tune <laughs> no i think that's uh, that's all i want to hear that's actually hear. yeah i don't i don't care i mean is it important for you to people to pull the same meaning and be like oh is that a CS no, no no at, not at all i don't it's just for me i mean honestly you know like i want to i want to like what i'm talking or singing about or you know like that's it so when you're writing songs like this, like what's the scene? Are you like drinking wine? Like... <laughs> well, to be totally, totally honest, this Paralander is really funny because I actually, <laughs> I read the back of the book and I was like, okay, cool. That sounds good. And then I wrote the song and then I read it. Oh, okay. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. It's totally, I was did, like, cool. Did your intentions match up? And I was drunk. And a lot of the... Um, <laughs> the drunk. Some of the album is kind of recorded semi-drunk too. Because... I don't even remember. I mean, like that. Red wine from the land of Crucial. That's exactly what I meant. While reading Eater. Sudafrance, inspiring Vermont dance records. Yes, the blood. The Savoir Faire blood, the French blood was flowing. Um, Can we hear that song? Yes. Can you you jam it? Um, Were you just, every time you. uh, Every time you have a C.S. Lewis reference, is the whole thing a C.S. Lewis reference? No. The whole song is. Okay. All right. Well, here we go. What's it called? Paralandra.
A deep thought. That is the deepest partiest Jameis thought. Oh, what? Guys. It was great. I don't, okay. What, like, what's going on? I don't know. I'm just like clearly like dissolving into a red blushing weird mess. I'm like, ooh. You're, you sound great. Okay. Thanks, Dan. It's thanks. Sunday afternoon. I know. I know. I'm just being it's the most low, <laughs> fresh. Hey, could someone rip off a hamburger joke just so we can get the mood back? Where's that book? You got it. What? Read a, read a joke. Hit us one. Which uh, burgers can which burgers can tell you your fortune? Which tell your fortune? Which medium yeah. burger? Medium burger. Oh. Red one. I did not. I joke is definitely better with a French accent. Yeah, and I don't think any of us saw that coming. Yeah. With a French accent. Um. Well, listen. Yeah. It's been awesome having you here. Thank you. And we definitely want to fit one more song in. Okay, great. But what does the future hold? Deep thoughts, party jams, Whew, jam mashups. Oh, oh, for us. Yeah, for you. We just um, made some. We, I guess they're remixes. I don't know what we'd call them really. Actually, we just slowed down a couple songs and added different parts to them. It's sort of in the the dub reggae sort of uh, tradition of things. <laughs> but and those we're gonna release sometime soon. Yeah, actually, I think this is kind of funny because I feel like when I was younger, like I always wanted life to be faster, faster, faster. So all the songs I did were like really fast, and now I feel like I'm com- like I'm getting to an age where like I want s- time to slow down, and um, so I f- I just want to listen to slower, slower things. So yeah, we just slowed down. It was inspired by listening to one of these tracks. Like it's supposed to be a 45, but we listened to it on 33, so the record was like pitched down and slower and then i just basically sang over it and i i really like them i want i'll give them to you yeah to uh our friend julian who dj'd at carter's birthday on friday does a pitch down version of flock seagulls i ran Ooh. that works excellent yeah it's awesome yeah some of some songs just are so much better i mean i'm not saying that i like my original versions i just really like these also slow that's all i have to say of course yeah i mean <laughs> You love right. your babies and you have more babies. Right, right. Right? <laughs> yeah. Can I ask, what's your favorite Vermont food? There's. I, have you been to Bove's up there? Yes. Bove's? Shout out to Mark Bove. Yes. And okay. also, it's so, so Mark, funny. For those who don't know, Mark Bove, Mark Bove is this uh, guy who makes like classic <laughs> red sauce Italian food, but really good and everything you like. It's everything you want out of it. And he makes brick-sized pieces of lasagna. Oh, my God. You know, and, and it's funny. Our friend Scott Lenhart, who's Joe's roommate, he did all the labels for Bove's. And oh, really? Yeah. So he like he made these oil paintings of the labels. They're amazing. Yeah. and he <laughs> He's crushing it. He's so <laughs> the good. tomatoes. He's crushing it everything. Crushing it with tomatoes. Ah. Ah. <laughs> nice. Super trying, saucy trying. jokes. Ah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Bove's What else are you eating up there? Well, Hen of the Wood, which was in Waterbury, just opened in Burlington. And oh, yeah. And a bunch of friends who, whatever, the, the Eric and the, his partner, and delicious. It's delicious food. Um, and, and Shelburne Farm is always a classic. Yes. Shelburne seasonal, Farm. Seasonal, seasonal. Seasonal, but, like, if you get a chance to actually stay out there and eat there, it's... Oh, my God. Or just have a cocktail and, like, look at the lake and you just hang around and pretend like you're, like, a Vanderbilt. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, I like to wear really long dresses when I go there and be like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you're just checking like a ticker tape of stock prices. Oh, yeah. Of course. I wish. Of course. Um, well, I want to thank you so much for coming out. I want to thank all of you. Thank you. This, thank what, we got you. two, four, six, seven, eight of us thank in the you. studio. 
Um, we're going to have one more song, but, you know, shout out to uh, Roberta's Heritage Radio Network. Uh, stay tuned. We have some details coming up, I think, December 4th. The uh, Pork Slip Tall Day guys are doing a big benefit uh, for the Philippines, which you will hear about. Uh, we're going to do a special show in the first, and I think the Maharlika people are doing something at the Mass Square Garden. You know anything about that, Greg? I have not heard about that yet. It's happening. Anyway. Maharlika at MSG, huh? Yeah, it's one of, that's the rumor. It's sort of like the, the 12, 12, 12 concert for him, uh, oh, cool. something like that. Um, well, anyway, thank you, everybody. Carter, thank you so much for sitting in the hot seat. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, thoughts and love and everything out to the Ace family. Uh, it's going to be a tough time, but it's going to get better. So what do we got for this last song? And how do we find you online if we want all the nuts and bolts of, to find your album? Um, Facebook. It's Eloise with an H. It's actually Eloise. Um, uh, it's, a French, it's a French show today. Are you French? No, my mom just wanted to be French. Close enough. She's British, so she went to France a lot. Anyhow, we can get into that later. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's, a, that's a post-show <laughs> wine conversation. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a long one. Um, yeah, Eloise, H-E-L-O-I-S-E, um, and the Savoir Faire, which is S-A-V-O-I-R-F-A-I-R-E. Why did I name it this? I don't know. But um, and is it and, or is it an ampersand? It's or? and, or ampersand. I don't... Yeah, but, I mean, social media is specific in that. I think it's and. It's with it's spelled out. There's okay. no ampersand. Right. Thank you very There's much. There's Google for, for these things. Yeah. That's what I, I was mean, thinking. Like it's, Just it's Google there. it. Google it. Uh, it's a real Google. stickler for, uh, you know, his ampersands. Google me. No. Google me. That could be your next uh, non-deep thought song. It's all about googly eyes and, like... I don't know. I have to imagine that there's some, like, Google me song. There's got to be a Google me song. Sure. Um, so what's this last jam? Is it a deep this thought? Is, Power ballad? Is, this is, um, well, I mean, secretly deep thoughts, loosely based, based on the myth of Prometheus before the movie came out. And um, <laughs> it's, a song. it's called Vibes. <laughs> it's Vibes. Opening track to song. Full circle. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody full circles. Circle. We have, who's got the hamburger book? Can we do one, la- one last one? Uh. French accent, please. Oh, yeah. Lean <laughs> to that microphone. Here we go. Last hamburger joke. Shout out to Joe. Thank you so much, as I always. Know. Hanging out on Sundays. All right, make it a juicy one. Uh, what is the hamburger's favorite story? What? Hansel and Gristel. Oh. Uh, we need another. <laughs> we, it's a redo, redo. Redo. Where did the burger go after the wedding? Where? On a bunny moon. Oh, oh man. Okay. I mean, you, you could just see the hell that is like, Hey man, we need 150 burger jokes in about a week, and he gets to 25, and he's like, "No Shit. problem." And then they're like, "Oh, I need every." I wonder if he went through all the other food jokes, and it was just like, "Here's the 150 setups. You need to fill in the, oh, the punchline." I wrote that book in like six hours. Yeah, or yeah. And then he did like, a, yeah. So it's like, a, so, so in 1955. So it's 78. He's got yeah. a pound of cocaine. Yeah. Oh my and they're God. like, we need 100 burger jokes. I got this. I, I got thinking. this. I <laughs> so got this. I haven't slept in two weeks. All right, here we go. Here we go. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week with another awesome show. Um, it'll be episode 175. So there we go. Marching on. Uh, shout out to everybody. We'll see you at the Eater Awards next week. I'll be the guy uh, in the blazer talking about food. Um, so just find me. Okay, here we go. Uh, thank you so much. Snuck your tooth.
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.